you have your Bibles, let's open them, please, to the book of Daniel, if you will. Daniel chapter number one. Is the sound okay? Alan, can you hear? Good. All right. Uh, Daniel chapter number one. And here we go. I know it's not a whole lot of first-time guests today, so we're speaking mostly to our uh, uh, saved people, and we'll keep that in mind. So Daniel chapter number one. This has got to be one of my favorite books of the Bible. Someone asked me, they said, what's your favorite, favorite book of the Bible? These. (laughs) I love the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's the two lips that God speaks to his people. I just love it. Some of you will laugh late tonight when you think about that. But uh, Daniel chapter number one. We all right? Paul, how we doing? Good. Back row. We okay? Brother Anthony, here? Good. Here? All right. So Daniel chapter number one, we'll give a little of the background in just a moment, but I want to just read some highlight verses, then just get right to it. Daniel chapter one and verse one, and if you'd be so kind, if you have a cell phone to put it in your pocket, put it in your purse, don't set it up against the the songbook to check internet or scores. The saints are playing right now, and I don't even get to watch. 14 to 7. Okay. And so, you know, we've actually had people after church come up and look in the pulpit. You know, they, we don't have a TV in the pulpit. But Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, real important name, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. So basically what they did, they surrounded the city of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar, they say, was a distant, distant type of Saddam Hussein. In fact, uh, Saddam, I think, uh, uh, during his lifetime, traced his roots and actually thought he was related to him somehow. And so Nebuchadnezzar surrounded the city. He didn't have to kill everyone. He just stopped all the water, all the power. He stopped anyone from coming in and going out. And soon the people started starving. And so that's what he did. He besieged that city of Jerusalem. He's the one that later on when the governor tried to escape out the side, he took him and gave sentence on him out in the desert. Nebuchadnezzar was very cruel. You'll never see God ever telling his soldiers to mutilate and torture people. God never did that. Uh, God, God commissioned them in battle, but never to mutilate, never to do those things. And so Nebuchadnezzar actually took Zedekiah and put his two sons in front of him and killed his sons in front of his eyes, then burned his eyes out. So that would be the very last thing Zedekiah would ever see, his sons being killed. That was Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, we could go into a lot of things he did. Uh, you didn't come to church to hear all these grotesque things this morning. Tonight, we give you the details. Uh, no. But uh, uh, so, so, so this was him, a very evil, a very torturous, uh, a very vile person. So he besieges God's people. In fact, he does it three times. And I could give you the date, 606, 597, 586 uh, B.C., Now, out of this comes some young people. Verse 6, now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
Then we see in verse 8, very famous verse, but Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. I know we're skipping around verse 21. Daniel continued even under the first year of King Cyrus. So this Daniel ends up, he's, he's there for three different administrations in Babylon. He's taken as a slave. He's taken as a captive, if you will. And he outlives Nebuchadnezzar. He outlives his son. He outlives his grandson, Belshazzar. He outlives Darius. Uh, uh, several leaders, Daniel's still there. And then we see a little further in uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Who were these guys? His companions. And then in verse 20, it says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God. Verse 23, he's praying, I thank thee and praise thee, O God, of my fathers. Then he's speaking to the king, verse 28. He says, but there is a God in heaven. And then in verse 37, thou, O king, art a king of kings for the God of heaven. So he's talking about him again. And then in verse 49, Daniel requested of the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And then in chapter 3, verse 8, Wherefore, at that certain time, Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. And that's chapter 3. Uh, we'll just summarize some of this and just jump right in. Brother Steve, we get that taken care of? We got, okay. Hey, get this, get this. I have to tell you this. It's off the subject. But, so we rented a bus today. Uh, our buses are not ready yet and not all together to be put on the highway. So we rented about $380 in case you want to rent a bus in the future for the bus ministry. And, and so there's the bus. The bus is here. I mean, the bus is there. And about every 10 minutes, the horn goes off. Bah, 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 bah. So I'm thinking our neighbors are going to take up a collection and help us buy some new buses. And so uh, uh, we'll just let it just the horn stay on for a while. And uh, no, we won't. So let's, let's have prayer. Can we get one air unit on? Brother St uh, uh, Anthony, thanks so much. All right, we've got about 20 minutes, so we're going to be in high gear. Here we go. Heavenly Father, bless now the reading of thy word. Thank you for this historical document. Not just a document, but the living word of God. We're thankful you speak, spoke to us and that you still use these words to speak to us today. It's practical. It is for our profit and it's good. So would you help us? It's Veterans Day weekend. What can we say? Help us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I want to speak on this subject, living in a land under siege. Living in a land under siege. Or living in the heathen land. We see that at this time in history, Israel was being judged for their sins. They had turned away from the living God. They had started worshiping idols. They had even gotten to the point they were sacrificing their children to fire gods, killing their children in their worship. It was vile. It was away from God's word. They had left the temple. Uh, they had strayed a long way. Well, God doesn't put up with that. Uh, God is a jealous God. 
And God loves us. He paid for our sins on the cross, rose again. He'll let us stray, but it's not long before he'll yank our chain and say, hey, that's as far as you go. And so sometimes God judges a nation. Sometimes he just lifts his hands. And the safety we've enjoyed, he lets other nations judge our nation. That's what he did to Israel. He lifted his hands. Nebuchadnezzar came in and did all sorts of crazy things. He attacked three different times. He brought out all the political leaders. Daniel was one of those. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He brought those into uh, 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 600 miles away into Babylon. He attacked again. And then he took out all the, all the blue-collar workers, those who had skills to do and build things. And he took them out. Then one last attack, and he left all the poor. How many of you would have been left behind? Okay, so uh, left behind at movie. And, and so that's what he did. So you say, so, so what's, what's the importance of this? Nebuchadnezzar is a type all throughout Scripture of Satan. He is just like Satan is. And, and uh, what a great, great, great symbol of him he is. You say, what do you mean? Because he's into destruction. He burned the temple. He destroyed the temple. He killed all the leaders. Uh, he's into destruction. He's cruel. He's evil. And guess who Nebuchadnezzar took first into Babylonian captivity? You ready? The youth. It's the youth. It just takes one generation to turn a nation around. If you can take the youth and put them in your schools and teach them what you want to and put them in the universities you like and give them the philosophy you want, we're just one step away from a different direction in a nation. If you're wondering what's happened to America, the old land that we used to salute and, and say, man, the land that I love and God bless America, what has happened to our nation? It took one generation of young people being educated by Nebuchadnezzar and the values have changed and the beliefs have now changed. And now they're in the universities. They're now the professors and the teachers teaching the youth that's coming up. And now things have changed. Bad is good. Good is bad. Good is evil. Good people are now the bad people. The bad people are now the good people. And there's not a lot of common sense. Common sense is not common anymore. And so we see he captured the youth. He changed the government. Has our government changed any in your lifetime? I remember when every little boy dreamed of maybe becoming the president of the United States. Sometimes that's not a real popular thing anymore. Uh, he changed their worship. The Bible said he set up a statue 90 feet high into the plain of Dura, commanded when the band played, they would bow down and worship that image. He changed their worship. Has not the worship in America changed in our lifetime? Has it not gone from churches to turn into rock concerts and, and uh, churches that were one day soul winning and after souls and trying to reach and help people. Now it's just a political convention and it's just the newspaper from the week before uh, and they've gotten away from this book right here. Something's happened. Nebuchadnezzar changed the government, changed the worship. He changed their language. It said that the Hebrew boys would now learn the Babylonian tongue. Has not Nebuchadnezzar changed our language even in America? He's changed the definitions of words. The word gay 
used to mean something else than it does today. The rainbow was something else than it is today. Pronouns, we understood them in our day. Now they're redefined in our day. And you have to be careful for every word. How come? Because Nebuchadnezzar has changed the language. The word dope used to mean someone who wasn't real smart. It used to be one of the seven dwarfs. It used to be drugs that people illegally took. Now I think it means cool. <laughs> hey, you're dope. <laughs> Don't call me a dope. No, that's a good word now, Pat. You know, uh, weird words have now changed. Man, you don't even know what to say anymore. Don't say the word cool. Don't say the word gross. Don't say the word groovy. That'll date you for sure. Gravy? Yeah, I like groovy on my uh, uh, rice. and I, I like it. He changed their education. He changed their gods. In America today, churches will not be full. It's not like it used to be. Stadiums will be full. Taylor, Taylor Swift and her boyfriend, that stadium will be full. Drug parties will be full. Entertainers, their groups will be full. Some things have changed. Now, here we are. You say, Pastor, did I come just to hear you gripe? No, these are the best words I have today. <laughs> we have four stars that are in the book of Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. And something you'll keep hearing about them, they had peace. They have been taken out of their home. They have been kidnapped. If you will, so to speak, the van pulled up. The masked bandits grabbed them, threw them in the van, and it's taken them 600 miles away from home. They never get to go home. Their city is burned and destroyed. Now they're being taught another language. Now they're being trained to serve in the political world. They don't even get a vote. They're owned. They're slaves. Their parents have been killed. Something's happened. And guess what? All throughout this book, you see that those four young men had peace. I just want to tell you, in a country that's under siege like America is right now, and we deserve the, we deserve the political leaders, we, deserve, we have killed babies, we have, we have turned our back on God, we've mocked this book, we've kicked it out of our schools, uh, we've, uh, we've promoted lifestyles that are an abomination of God, and, and God looks down and says, but guess what? Individuals can have peace in their heart if they're living in a country under siege. God may be spanking the fire out of the nation, but he'll still pat you on the back as an individual. So what did they do? Peace. Here's another one. Prosperity. They prospered. Sometimes we think of prosperity as, hey, some, hey someone died and gave me a house. Hey, someone left me in their will. Man, we got five new cars. I got a raise at work. Man, I'm making $6.50 an hour. Hey, that's in Louisiana. I think they're almost paying that now. I don't know. My first job, McDonald's, $1.65 an hour. Pity me. I worked there six months. They reevaluated my work, gave me a raise, $1.70 per hour. I got a nickel raise. A year later, I got a dime raise. Yet, they prospered. And then God said he promoted them. They got a promotion. You know what promotion is? It's not just money or things. It's more people 
looking up to you and respecting you. That's promotion. And we see that throughout this book of Daniel. I want to give you just quickly here. What were these ingredients? What, what was it that they did that God used these four and they're the stars of this book of Daniel? Want me to give them to you quickly. Here they are. Number one, they accepted the hand that they were dealt. Now, I'm not condoning gambling, but if you've ever played any game, they had some cards somewhere. Whether it's Monopoly or you played poker or you went to Vegas or wherever you went, there was, there was some cards. Pastor, we hate cards. We don't believe in cards. You played some game that had cards. I'm telling you, stop lying. So, and someone dealt these cards and you picked them up. You didn't even have a choice. You didn't pick these cards. You didn't ask for these cards. They got dealt to you. Now, I want to say this. Every one of us, life, God, and others has dealt us a hand. Now stop whining. Pick up your cards. Play it the best you can. Ask God to give you wisdom. Some of you, it was, you came from a divorced family. Some of you, you never met your dad. Others, mate ran off with somebody else. Others, you were adopted out. Others, raised in a drug home. Others, you got saved later in life. You got a past. You got some things you wish... Never happened to you and things you never wish you would have ever done. Hey, pick up the cards. They accepted the cards. All right. You got kidnapped out of your hometown. Your hometown got defeated in war. Now you're a refugee. Pick up the cards. Stop asking why. When my wife was in the hospital 80 days, not one time did we ever look up and say, Why? She's the pastor's wife. Why? God's got a why. He doesn't have to tell me. God is still good if he tells me why or not. Stop wasting your energy. Accept the cards he's given you. In fact, we got a Las Vegas dealer here. He's going to deal out the card. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Number two, do right. Chapter 1, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart, he would not defile himself. All three of these heroes, all four of them, they did right. Chapter 3, the king makes an idol. He says, everyone, when the band plays, you bow down and worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, we're not going to bow. We're not going to bend. We may not even burn. He said, I'm going to throw you into that fiery furnace. They all did right. They did right. Say, Pastor, what do you do when you're living in a country under siege? Keep doing right. I love the old Pats the Pirate song. His wife will be here for the ladies' conference. Do right till the stars fall. Do right till the last call. Do right when there's no one else to stand by you. Do right when you're all alone. Do right. When you can't call home, do right. I don't know the rest of the words. Well, do we do right or do wrong? Hey, just make a one-time decision. We're going to do right. It doesn't matter who gets elected as the next president. Do right. It doesn't matter which direction our country goes. Do right. He'll bless right. He blesses it. And these people rose to the top and they were noticed. 
You young people want to be famous and well-known, not just on Facebook. Carry your Bible to public school. Now, it is kind of heavy. It weighs like half a pound. Just carry, carry it to your job. Put it on your desk. Put it in your pickup truck so the co-workers see it. That Bible, it just kind of helps remind you to do right. Well, I don't want to be a Bible thumper. I didn't say you had to thump it. You just need to carry it. <laughs> you think? Number three, we must hasten. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Now, this is hard for me to understand. Chapter one, Daniel says, I'm purposing in my heart, not going to eat the heathen food, not going to drink their liquor, not going to do it. Now, get it. What was the guy's name that kidnapped him from his hometown? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. I have a dream. No, it wasn't that one. But uh, he had a dream, and he was troubled. I wish somebody could interpret my dream. Daniel says, the God of heaven will help me interpret your dream. You know what I would have said if I was Daniel? I would have said, jumpest thou into a lake of fire. He had destroyed Daniel's home and his future. Now Daniel is trying to be a blessing to the king. I hate to tell you this. Some of you don't know this. You might want to write it down. There are 7 billion other people on planet earth beside you. It's not all about you. Even though you may take 7 billion selfies everywhere you go. There's other people that God wants you to bless. There's someone worse off than you. You can encourage. Someone you can lead to Christ. Someone you can bless and, and help and maybe uh, make happy and make them smile. So Daniel says, hey, I'm good at interpreting dreams. I'll tell you what the dream means. And he did. He was a blessing. Not only that, we must hasten. Prioritize prayer. I guarantee you, and I hate to say it, not trying to be negative, but if we started here, pass the microphone around all the way through the crowd, and I said, give me in detail how you pray. Some of us pray, but we play at prayer. This would be the average Baptist prayer today. Dear Lord... Thank you for the veterans. Thank you for church and everything. Help our country and everything. And bless me and bless everybody and help all the sick. Help all the, all the people. Uh, help, uh, you know, those people in the war. Um, and help us have a fun time today. Amen. What is that? What is that all about? What did you ask for? Did you praise him? Did you confess anything? Did you pray for anybody specifically? Bless everybody. Bless the mass murderers. Bless Hamas. Bless the devil. Bless the de I mean, you really want God to bless everybody? Daniel, three times a day, they made a law. They said, no more prayer. They may do that in America one day. Who knows? They shut the churches down during COVID. You remember that? I'm still not happy about that. 
I did not like the tents holding our feet up as the river flowed under our feet. And some of you, and I know you're just trying to be encouraged. Pastor, this is so good. I'm saying, I hate it. I hate we're not in the building. We're paying payments on a building we're not even using. I hated the mask. And I understand. I get it. I get it. I don't want to give anybody COVID. But I hated having the mask. You couldn't see if anybody was smiling. Couldn't tell if they were sad. It was distant. It was like the return of the zombies. I have no idea where we are in the message, Brother Ron. <laughs> Daniel opened the windows, faced Jerusalem. It was against the law to pray. He knelt three times a day. People saw him. He was one of the political leaders. They said, we're going to throw you into a den filled with lions if you pray. Never stopped him. Does anything stop your prayer time? You pray at your house or you pray on your commute. You pray in the backyard. Where is your place where you have an appointment with God every day and pour your heart out and beg God to help your kids? And you call people by name that need prayer. And you talk about our sick people that need prayer and the buses that we need to buy and fix and the laborers that we're needing in our city that's going to hell and surrounding cities and our nation and our leaders. We got a lot to pray about. You've got to prioritize it. It's more important than CNN. It's no, more important than Fox News. It's more important than the sports. It's more important than anything else in the world. Amen. If we don't pray for our kids, who's praying for them? So I hate our president. Do you even pray that God will help him and turn him around? Prioritize prayer. We're done. Here's the points. We have to go home. Number next, choose the right companions. It says that Daniel had three companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three companions. Your crowd will determine your joy in the future. Show me your crowd, I'll show you your future. Show me your friends now, I'll show you your future later. How many adults, not going to ask for the raise of hands, it was a friend that introduced you to a certain vice. Here, try this. It's called pot. Here, try this. This is alcohol. Look. It's pornography. Look, here's how you lie to your parent. Hey, look at this. Hey, this is companion, the right companions. You want to make it in a country under siege? You're going to have to pick the right crowd. Psalm chapter 1, the book about having a song in our heart, chapter 1 deals with, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, the right crowd. Proverbs chapter 1, Solomon is teaching his son about life. He says, son, chapter 1, first thing I want to tell you, pick the right crowd or you're not going to have a great life. So well, where's the right crowd? A lot of times they're in church. Sure. It doesn't mean everyone that walks in these doors is the right crowd. You ought to be super close. But I'm saying it'll give you a start. You may marry a person you meet at a Grateful Dead concert, but that's probably not the best place to find them. Pastor, what you have against the Grateful Dead? Oh, that's a whole other sermon. That's tonight. <laughs> Choose the right crowd. Quickly, talk about the Lord. Every chance Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got, every chance Daniel had, he said, there is a God in heaven. There's a great God in heaven. 
It's not my talent for explaining these, uh, these dreams, uh, O king. Uh, it's the God in heaven. He's the one. He always broadcast it back to the Lord. And it may be better for our community if we started talking about Jesus again. Well, did you hear about so-and-so in the church? I don't want to hear about so-and-so. I want to hear about Jesus. More about Jesus would I know. More of his love to others show. I was so proud of our teenagers yesterday. They, they gave Friday to go to some apartments in Fairfield where one of the buses comes by and they passed out flyers. There's going to be a Bible club here on Saturday. We're going to show the Jose cartoon. We're going to feed you lunch, play some games. I saw some of the video from it. They had 35 in attendance and tons and tons of people saved yesterday. They gave a Saturday. They gave part of a Friday. What kind of teenagers is that? That's weird. They're talking about Jesus. <laughs> yep, they were talking about Jesus. It's wonderful. The whole world's not sunk. The whole country's not down the tube if you got kids doing things like that. Talk about the Lord quickly. Find something to be thankful for. Now think, just for a second. Daniel's lost his family, his city. He's 600 miles away from home. He's got on strange clothes now. He's learning a new language. What's he got to be thankful for? I can tell you this. He didn't get killed when they took over the city. Still alive. God still hears his prayers. That's pretty good. He's still saved. He's still going to heaven. Can't take that away from him. Folks, we have a lot to thank God for during this Thanksgiving season. This ought to be practiced for the rest of the year. You know, well, pastor, I've had a tough life. It's been a tough year. What I have to be thankful for, what he's done. Just look back. He saved you. He forgave you. Close calls. He let you live. You survived a car wreck. Made it through a, a, a tragic, got through that divorce, got through that rehab. When you had crazy thoughts in your mind and you thought, man, be better off if I wasn't even here and God let you get past that nonsense. You have a lot to thank God for. And then what he's doing right now and what he's going to do. There will be a trumpet sound, you know. Pretty soon we're going to get lightheaded and lightfooted and we're leaving all this stuff behind. You're leaving your broke down car behind. Some of you are saying, can I take it with me? Find something to be thankful for. I read the first Thanksgiving was not the big turkey and Sacagawea and John Smith and all that that we think of. Every family had lost one person to death that winter. They had enough food to put five grains of corn on each plate. And they bowed their head. And gave thanks. They made the voyage. They made it through the winter. And they had something to eat. The next year they had the feast. And every table put a plate with five grains of uh, uh, corn on it. To remind them. How it was before. Something to be thankful for. Number quickly. This it. They never forgot who helped them. I love the passage. It's just one of my favorites. Daniel interprets a dream. 
And the king says, all right, I'm promoting you to be second in command in the whole country. And here's what he said. Oh, king, can you promote Shadrach, Beeshach, and Abednego, my three companions too? Did you get it? They were the ones that prayed for him to interpret the dream in chapter 2. Now, later on, he says, can they, can they be promoted too? Here's what I like. Daniel never forgot those that helped him. Who helped you? Pastor, I'm one of those self-made women, self-made men. I didn't need anybody. I am what I am because of me. You're lying. You had someone teach you at school? You had someone train you as a coach? Someone taught you how to read and write? Someone taught you how to drive? Except me. I'm the only one. If you ride with me, you'll know. No one ever taught me. Someone shared the gospel with you, maybe a Sunday school teacher, a soul winner, a faithful bus driver picked you up on a bus when you was a kid. Someone rescued out of, you out of the pit of hell, maybe of addiction, got you in our addictions program. Every one of us has someone to look to and say, they helped me at some point in my life. If you want to prosper, be peaceful, be promoted in a country under siege, you want to remember those people. I'm done with this. Look, I'm closing my Bible right here. Brother Ron, look, man, you're going to get to eat too. Have eternity in view. Now, this is deep for those that are mature. Here it is. First six chapters of Daniel deals with the characters. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Chapter 7 through 12 deals with Daniel's dreams. See if you help others with their dreams. God may give you some dreams of your own. And the dream, it says things like, and I saw the ancient of days and the son of man coming. That's what Jesus called himself. And giving judgment and evil was no more. And the saints, that's us, not the team, but Christians, saints, the saints will rule and reign forever and ever. It tells how it ends. Years ago, I don't know if this story is true or not, but Charlie Brown, no, excuse me, Peanuts was writing, no, Snoopy was writing a, uh, a, uh, a story. Peanuts cartoon, you know, Lucy, Charlie Brown. Snoopy was writing a story and it said, on a dark, dreary, stormy night. Lucy came up and said, that's not how you start a story. That's too negative. You always start a story once upon a time. So Snoopy picked up his ink pen and wrote, Once upon a time, there was a dark, <laughs> dreary, stormy night. All of our stories are going through some stormy times. And I can tell you this, the Bible says... And they lived happily ever after. And that's the ending for every child of God. Folks, I hate to tell you, but this is good news. 50 years from now, we'll be having church up in heaven. And it'll be Jesus giving the message. And every sad and mad memory will be gone. And you'll be in a perfect body. It's going to be amazing.
Keep eternity in view. Let's serve him. I don't know how much time we have left. Let's finish strong. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's got a big plan for you. And it starts by you meeting him at Calvary, trusting him as your personal Savior, that his blood was enough to wash your sins away, and that trust in him alone will take you to heaven. He'll save you. If you're here today, you've been saved but never been baptized. The water's warm. It's clean. Shower caps, towels, lifeguards, everything. No, not the lifeguards, but everything's ready. You could do that today. Maybe there's something in the story you heard today and you said, boy, there's something I need to do. There's something I need to do while I'm living in these besieged times. I hope that you'll do it.